Welcome to episode 735 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 735 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Iles. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan, and you? Fantastic, I've got the heater on for you. I noticed that. I'm actually going to bring that up later in the show, but it is nice and warm today. Do you know my wife and I have a, uh, we have an argument that we've never talked about? Mm-hmm. How hot should the heater be? Because what happens is, I think if you're going to have a heater on, it should be warm. Mm-hmm. I, I think my wife thinks, save money. So what's your, your temperature threshold? I like to be 21.5. Right, she has at nineteen, and what happens is we don't. We've never talked about this, but I'll walk out there in about half an hour from now. John, guess what it'll be? Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, and then we she'll walk out about half an hour later. Guess what it'll be? Twenty one point five. Why are you meet in the middle? I reckon I'd be about smack in the middle. I'd be about. We, Wait, we, how do you feel right now? About 20 is Okay, good. keep talking for a second. I'm going to tell you. How do you feel right now? Do you feel really good? Yeah. Okay, wait, so, I'm so going to figure it out. Give Bevan, me two seconds. Bevan is evacuating the room. I'm evacuating the studio's team. And he's going to come back. This This place is in carnage. So we have two microphone stands, and Bevan's has just fallen onto the ground. So it's uh, all turning to rubbish here. She's changed it. I reckon she's changed it. She's changed it. This is. You guys have got a strong relationship when you can't break <laughs> Sort this out. <laughs> How long have you been married for? <laughs> so, it's so true. <laughs> we didn't even talk about this. But when I turned on when I turned on the heater for the show, I turned up to twenty one point five guess what it is right now. Nineteen John. That's gold. This Sorry if you've got bumpy sounds, I dropped the mic. That is absolute gold. Now, unfairly to fairly to my wife. I did actually think it was about right now. Yeah. So, so. It's cooling. It's probably cooling down right now. Yeah, John, we are probably getting freezing because you went in there and turned it down. So. Nice. So, so I have talk is proudly brought to you by... What by? The most realistic and effective smart training bike on earth. And actually, we'll be talking about that later on. Uh, and our patrons. Richard Stinger Ray. Uh, Duncan Danger Penfold. And Sean O'Porno Barnes. Oh, I saw Sean O'Porno Barnes this morning. I saw him on Saturday. Oh, I'm talking hey. to him tonight on Zoom. Is he going to be one of your... He's going to be my transition director. Well, he he won the Canterbury Triathlon official of the year. That's true. You know, so you've got the right guy in your team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's, he's, no, no stone left unturned with porno. And this week's show, we've got uh, news, John's history lesson. We're going back to the Olympics. We are indeed. 2008. Beijing. 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 Uh, we've got a great interview with a man by the name of Adam Bowden. He is a pretty rock star, 70.3 athlete. Uh, website of the week, uh, which is a pretty old website, John. It is, but it's goody. I, I go to it not every day, but uh, it's at least a couple work, of times a week. Yep. It's functional. Uh, and then the question starts again. This time last year, we, we haven't got much news, guys. This time last year, we had Ironman Nice, or 70.3 World Championship, sorry, in Nice in France. So let's have a look at what happened. And the reason we haven't got much news this week is we pre-recorded the show. So I know there was some racing last weekend. We'll try to cover that uh, next on next week's show. Um, but we pre-recorded. So this time last year, it was exciting times. 70.3 World Champs in Nice in France, which... Incidentally, if you've been watching the first stage of Tour de France, uh, that was also started in Nice. Uh, They didn't think they really did the same sort of course. Maybe parts of it were the same. Brilliant, brilliant racing. Um, 
just cool to have a mountainous sort of race again. They did that at Zalemsay a few years ago in Austria, I think Zalemsay was. Um, but just some demonstrations of awesome athletic performance. Daniela Reef just showed them how it was done. You know, I think we're, the, the year before she'd had her DNF and Kona, everybody's going, oh, I think she's passed it. Probably yeah. us included. We were going, is she really? No, we didn't think she'd. No, but a lot of people going on. Oh, it was a bad day, but we didn't think she passed it. Reached, she, she's, she still got it, and she went out there and just crushed them. And what was interesting was, though, she was riding with the group for a while. Often she just dominates early and just goes out the front and just keeps extending. But she was riding with the group and then just pulled away. I Wait think it was about That was before away. last year's race. Before where she, where she crumbled at Kona. Was it last year she crumbled? Yeah, because oh, no, then Hogue won track. last year. No, yeah, who, no, who won... Who won the world championship? Yeah, no, Anne Hauk did win last year. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah. So last, this was before she cracked. Oh god, I'm, lo- I'm losing my mind. No, twenty twenty is wrong. Anyway, she crushed this race, and she crushed it across the board. She had a really good swim between twenty six thirty two, which was in the same region as um, most of the other top contenders, except for Lucy Charles. Biked to two thirty three, which was the fastest of the day by at least three minutes, uh, and a lot more over most of the other contenders. And then had. Not quite the fastest runs of the day. She ran a 118.37. Um, there was a few that ran 117s. Emma Pallant and Sarah Svensk uh, both ran 117s. But for her to be within a, a minute or just over a minute of the best runners in the sport is uh, pretty awesome when you've crushed the bike ride. Uh, she ended up winning by just under four minutes in front of Holly Lawrence who looked like she was running amazingly fast but because she's a lot smaller her turnover does look really quick but still all credit to her for finishing in second place. She had a good battle uh, to just overhaul Imogene Simons who was in third place and that was a bit of a, a breakout race for her. Chelsea Sodaro was fourth um, so really good by her and Lucy Charles after having her drafting infringement which could have maybe could have um, you know, changed the result possibly uh anyway she finished in fifth place so really good racing on the female side and daniela reef showing she is the greatest of the current generation well then we had the men's race and it was well it was a surprise it was definitely a surprise yeah. the, the short course boys uh came to town and showed the long course boys how it was done which is interesting on such a bi- tough bike course you'd think maybe when it's an easier bike course and they can sit in a bit more then maybe um they'd have more of a chance but here it was a really difficult bike course uh and gustav eden i called it early on the run when they came off i said that dude's gonna win this and he did uh an amazing run split 108 10 yeah uh, so that's impressive yeah. isn't it so he's re- especially if it's a hard bike yeah exactly so uh he's, Jeez, that's he's awesome in, in contention in the after the swim or just a little bit off the pace so we're 23 55 then they rode uh the, the sort of lead group really just lay the axe down there was gustav egan alistair brownlee um and rudolf von berg they all rode uh 117s and gustav eden alistair brownlee went out like the clappers and uh, and then sort of faded. Gomez um, yeah got dropped on the bike. Came back with a good run, uh, but Gustav Eden just uh, nice not nice steady run. He just sort of chipped away, got past Brownlee, went away, won comfortably in a two three fifty two thirty five, uh, and he was nearly three minutes in front of Brownlee. Rudolf van Berg really good result for him in fourth third. Christian Blumenfeld came back with a one oh nine fifty nine to get up to fourth and one of the performances of the day was Sebastian Keenley. you know he got crushed in the swim 
didn't bike as fast as the others, uh, and but then came home with a 109.31. Comparing that to the ITU dudes, that was pretty damn impressive. Uh, Gomez faded to um, seventh with uh, not such a great bike, but came back with a 110 run. All in all, it was fantastic racing. Guy that won, Gustav Eden, didn't even have a time trial bike, didn't have a bike sponsor, and then he's the world champion, taking home 45,000 big ones. And I suppose we haven't raced much since then. No. I was going to say, how's it gone since? But it's hard to know, isn't it? Uh, he did well at a few of the ITU races. Um, but yeah, we haven't had Enough that much really judge, have we? Okay, John, the big piece of news, and let's be honest, this is more important than anything else that's happened in the triathlon world. I am Talk Kona Weekend World Championships on the 11th of October 2020. What's the point, John? What is the point? And, and after last week's announcement that Ironman are actually going to be doing a, an iron distance race on that, that day, um, if you'd like to, uh, and they've got various different options, what's the point in doing the I Am Talk one? Well, there's a number of reasons. We're cool. Yeah, we're cool. Firstly, it's continuous. So still with the Ironman one, you kind of just got to, you've got to do it in the swim, bike, run order, but you can kind of just do it yeah. spread out through the day if you want to. Um, so A, it's continuous, which I think is really important. Um, and it's more of an honours-based system. I am going to, um, collect the results if, if you want to put them in there um, but it's really you're out there hopefully we feel like the I Am Talk community is going to be really honest it's not going to be any cheating And you oh just, no I'm cheating you're cheating I'm hey? winning yeah, yeah I'm yeah. doing everything I can to I've cheat dropped, I've dropped Fli- flippers yeah. um, the gloves that, who the glove man more Peter Pete Verbrusek I'm going to use every cheating strategy give me some EPO uh, no I'll go drop you up the top of uh, yep. top of the hill you yep. can start I'm going to use every cheating strategy anyone's ever used in a race Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's an honours-based system. We're not really racing each other. You're out there with a team doing the same thing, keeping your personal standards really high. Um, and I just think we all need a challenge right now. A lot of people haven't really got into the I'm uh, the, the Ironman the virtual series, reality yeah. racing. Um, but I remember I got did one of the very first ones when it was a half Ironman distance race, just because yeah, I was like. Gee, that's a challenge that's there. I'm not in very good shape. I've hardly done any running. Yeah. Went out there and did it. Uh, actually, you did it right, didn't re- you? Well, until I fell to pieces on the run <laughs> and my, my knees packed in and I hobbled home. But up to that point, I was actually really pushing a lot harder than I'd planned to um, just because I knew there was others out there doing it uh, at the same time. So um, just need a bit of a challenge. So, you know, get amongst it and do something within our sort of virtual community. So go to imtalk.me slash imtalk, uh, just go to imtalk.me and then up the top there's sort of a camps and training button. Uh, click onto that, that gives you all the details. I am organising uh, or have several group meetups for, for Zwift, for those of you that want to do that, and you can get in there and hopefully you'll have a few in the different communities, so in New Zealand we'll have one going at 8.30am on the Sunday, uh, I'll set up another one for the sort of Brits and Euro athletes at 8.30am Green Minute, Green Greenwich Mean Time, yep. uh, and then also for the Americans, I'll set one up at 8.30 uh, on Eastern Time. So hopefully we'll get a few in each one. I think we've got about 30 or 40 signed up already. Nice. Um, so they'll be spread across the different zones. Um, you'll be on TT bikes, but again, then you can just kind of see people within the group and you can communicate with them. Um, and it does need to be as continuous as you can possibly make it. Swim, bike, run. If you can't get to the pool beforehand, I've got a substitute run you can do. But as I said, it's an honours-based system making it as continuous as possible. Okay, John's oh, history, history lesson. lesson. You know music this week. I'm, I've got to get out of here. It's snowing. It's snowing. I've got no, to get out of here. They sent me another photo. They sent me you're, a photo. You're of, in Tekapo right now. I know. Well, you've no, I'm not. It. I'm still at home because I didn't get out because <laughs> you talked too long. No, John's history lesson, 2018, sorry, 2008, 
pretty exciting year. Beijing, the Chinese did put on a bloody good Olympics. They did. Um, sure, they may have crushed a bit of their town to make it happen, but, yeah. but they put on a bloody good Olympics. And it was an interesting Olympics because it was kind of like old and new a little bit, wasn't it? Well, we never really had uh, a. Oh no, we had we'd had Seoul in '88, and we had had Olympics in Tokyo. But this is just a bit different when yeah. you're going to a culture that's not as Western yeah. as elsewhere. And that was a big one of the, there was a few big talking points. Pollution. Just, yeah, around triathlon, yeah. but around all sports, it was a pollution. And not going, oh, this is a bit yucky, it's a no. bit dirty. It's more, okay, how, are we, how is our breathing actually going to work for these long endurance events when the pollution is normally so bad? Uh, miraculously, there was no pollution. They got did well with the weather, but as... If, you, if anybody that followed the Olympics there, it was shut down and yeah, well, this is the thing industry about just got China, shut down. Communist China can say, hey, we're going to stop and things stop. And man, there was pollution was not an issue. Yeah. Um, conditions was also a big talking point for the endurance events like it is these days for most Olympics when it's going to be hot, it's going to be humid. For the triathlon, again, didn't end up, it was still hot but it wasn't uh, quite the issue that they thought it was going to be. And then the third one was coping in a, in a non-Western environment for a sport that is very much a Western um, sport. And that seemed to go okay as well with the with the Olympic Village. I know when they'd had test events and trial events there, then when you're just kind of staying in Chinese hotels and stuff, it had been a real challenge for the athletes, um, especially when you're there for an extended period. So Hats off to China. They ticked all those three concerns going into the Olympics. So, John, where was the sport at before this? Um, again, that, that guard had, had been sort of changing each Olympics. Yeah. You'd sort of kind of booted out a few more of the old guards. So 2004, we still had the likes of Hamish Carter, who yeah. still came from that. Won non, it. Yeah, won it and came from that sort of 90s period. And you had a few others in, in, in the mix as well. Greg Bennett, who'd come from that period. But by 2008, it really was a well-entrenched draft legal system and you couldn't dip your toes in both both ways in terms of doing long course and short course you had to be fully committed you were following the circuit the results were usually much the same everybody was turning up to every race so it kind of was um, not the same all the time but you know same athletes at each race no sort of real massive surprises often going into the race uh, the, the course if you if, again, all Olympic races are on the Olympic Channel. No commentary. We've talked about that Which before. Is, oh, I wish they could. What's annoying me at the moment, Bevan? Here we go. Is the Tour de France is on? Yep. And we haven't got the top dog commentators in Why? New Zealand. Well, they must, oh, you just got a different feed. We've got a different feed. Uh, and I'm not being nasty. The guy, he's not bad. But but where you normally get Matt Keenan, who's the Aussie, and uh, Robbie McEwen, love them, fantastic. And it's like, uh, can you find? A, can you get a VPN? Oh, I probably could, but that's bit more complicated than I would make it. John doesn't want to spend money. <laughs> anyway, um, but the, the, so all the races are on the Olympic Channel if you want to go back and watch these. Even if you know the results, still thoroughly recommend doing that. The swim looked amazing on camera. You had these little sort of pagodas around it. The setting, they did it really, really nicely. The bike course um, had some hills. It was certainly nowhere near as severe as Athens, Athens but it was enough hills not necessarily to break the group up, but to keep groups away and also enough to really fatigue the legs going into the runs. So it kind of deadened people who were just those those pure runners. Going into the Olympics, Gomez was dominating the dojo. He was. There was that period where he was a bit like Brownlee 10 years later, wasn't it? Yeah. He wasn't quite to the same level as Brownlee, but Brownlee it lost was, nothing. It, you look at his results, it was pretty much 1-1-1-1-1. Yeah, yeah. So going into it, you're thinking Gomez 
really should be winning this. He's a raging hot favourite. Bevan Doherty was still a big player. He was having some big results, but not all the time, uh, and not quite as quick as those pure runners, you know, the younger guys. But with Bevan, was he one at the stage of his career, if he picked the right race and planned well, he'd perform? And things go, yeah, things go his way. You yeah. know, um, he, he won one race where he broke away on the bike. I think it was in, it was in Tungyung maybe and, and broke away and, and got like a 30 or 40 second gap solo breakaway and mm. then held on to it. So yes, he needed a few things to, to go his way. Ivan Rana was still um, a real force. So you had those two Spanish Ivan Rana's a guy who's not done a lot in Ironman, isn't he? Um, I, I think he's won in some second tier, but... You know, like he was a pretty great ITU athlete. Yeah, he's had some good results. Yeah, but, but not, but not, yeah. not to the same level as, no. and especially given he went off and did sort of pro cycling for a while. Oh, did he? Um, Which you thought would have helped his Ironman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so looking back to the year before the race uh, took place, they had a test event in Beijing. Uh, Gomez won that fairly convincingly um, by. You know, 25 seconds or so over Courtney Atkinson, Bevan Doherty was third, Chris Gemmell was fourth, and Simon Whitfield, who had won in Athens, was in fifth place. Uh, Rana was in sixth at that stage. Um, I won't go into the females yet, we'll just sort of stick with the men. And yeah, so rolling in, you're thinking Gomez probably take it. Bit of a bit of a potentially a blanket finish for, for second and third to see who would get amongst the medals. The eventual winner um, was Jan Fredino. Um, he wasn't really a force beforehand. So if we look at the test event the year before, where did he get? Finished tenth. So he was one of those guys sort of yeah, he'll be had pretty he good. Won, he hadn't won a lot before it either. No, he hadn't won really anything yeah. at all. Um but a few people knew he was really talented but hadn't really shown it and certainly not shown it on a consistent basis like some of the others. Frederick Belubert was also um in really good form going in. Uh so the as the race sort of panned out it um, they, there was no sort of real. There was a bit of a breakaway on the bike, but they weren't really contenders. You were knowing you, you knew they weren't going to be the schmozzle when it came to the to the run. Um, and and I've got to say, it was one of the best running displays we've seen in terms of keeping the excitement factor. And well, because so it was just a big group for a long time, wasn't it? Was, it was, and, and they just you know no one was breaking away. And it really just broke down like the last two or three hundred metres, didn't it? Yeah, very tactical. Everyone sort of just keeping their cards close to their chest. Brownlee, this was the first time I'd ever seen Brownlee before. He had had a couple of results before that, but I didn't know too much about him. Uh, and he he took a dig at one stage. Uh, but yeah, if just going and watching the run to see a big group together. And yeah, you might see groups of two, three, four, but this was like, it started with like a group of 10. Or so what were you thinking? I know we're going back to John's history thoughts, but... What were you thinking? Do you think when Bevan's in the, you, you don't back him at this stage, do you? Um, you back him to be there or thereabouts, but I was probably backing more of the runners. I'm still thinking this is Gomez's race to, yeah. to win, and you think Whitfield's got a good finish on him as well. As the race sort of panned out, again, got to watch this for how Whitfield came back from the death to, to actually he did get too, a medal. Didn't it was yeah. bloody impressive. Didn't know who Fro- I don't don't recall knowing who Frodo was. Um, and as the run sort of panned out, just the second half, it just thinned out, thinned out, thinned out. Is Whitfield 32 at this stage? Sorry? Whitfield's... Yeah, it was impressive. Especially, you know, in, in, in ITU of 32. And you've got to remember, he won in 2000. Yeah. 2004, I think he got like 10th, 11th, 12th. Uh, he was certainly yeah, not not the same sort of force that, that he had been. Uh, and Bevan was, was, how old would Bevan have been then? He would have been 32 was 31. as well. No, 31. Yeah. 31. Uh, and yeah, I know, just, yeah, so Whitfield might have been 33, 33. Mm. So it thinned out, thinned out, thinned out. And then... Uh, Whitfield was off the back and he managed to get back and, and Gomez just drifted off the back a bit and it was game over and it came down to a three-way sprint finish and Fredino just, uh, in the end, 
did it, I wouldn't say comfortably. But do you think but, it's where youth hit him? Yeah, and and with the other two, you know, when the, you know when it came down to the three, mm. you you know he had a bit more of that speed on his side. Yep, I think so. Um, so Jan Frodeno ended up winning it. Didn't really do too much after the Olympics either. In terms of again, he was a consistent performer. Yeah. He was always a three. He's a much better Ironman than what he was an ITU oh, athlete. Ten million times better. Yeah. So he still had some good results, but he didn't didn't then go. Boom, breakthrough, win, 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 win. Yeah. He went breakthrough. Whereas Whitfield was like that, wasn't he? Mm. Whitfield broke through, won his Olympics, and then became a top contender for years. Mm. Yeah. Um, so Fredino still did well, but but not amazingly. The females race um, was kind of a bit predictable. So you had Emma Snowsill and, uh, and Vanessa Fernandez, who had been dominating the circuit, uh, and you're kind of thinking... Something's going to need to go wrong here for them not to to go one two, and that's basically how it panned out. So don't want to make. Was it an exciting race? No, not really. So uh, so so, so just as dominant was she? Yeah, and she ended up completely crushing it. Um, and as you kind of expected, she. It's been nice, up, like when Brownlee at, at London. I'm sure you're going to do London next, but I, just to know when you turn up, you got it. Mm. You know, to be that good, to turn up to the Olympics, you've won everything all year. You know, you've just got another gear. Yeah, you know, you you know, like there was like when I we don't want to go to because I know you're gonna do London, but Brownlee attacking on, on the pack, he's like, he didn't need to, and he just he just I've got, I'm better than you guys. Yeah, even more so for him. Like the the, the threat for someone like a snow sill is um, her swimming wasn't quite as strong. Okay, and if people if a group got away on the swim, she could have been in trouble. Then you're potentially in trouble. But her run, you know, she ran a 33-16. Um, Vanessa Fernandez was an amazing athlete, uh, and she put a minute into her on the run. So, and then Emma Moffat was in third place, uh, and she had a great race. Um, was only 20 seconds behind um, Fernandez, so she was. You know, you'd almost say that was performance of the day. It obviously, goes to Snowsill, but Moffat was the best of the rest, which was always going to be a really um, interesting battle. So she did extremely well, but um, Snowsill was in another league. And yeah, kind of just a bit expected. And when you pull away that well in the run, um, or that early in the run, you kind of go, yeah, it's not that exciting. Nobody's coming back from here. She ain't going to blow up. Uh, so she had a convincing win. Um, of the, of other interest, a couple of uh, sixth place, she had Nicholas Spurig, who went on to be um, the gold medalist in London, London, and then silver in. Do you have silver? Yeah, she got silver. She had that funny duel with uh, Gwen Jorgensen in Rio, Rio uh, and being a really dominant athlete. And Daniela Reef was in seventh place in 2008. So, um, what was the best Daniela did in ITU? Daniela Reef? Did she ever uh, win an ITU race? Let's have a quick look. I think she. She got on the podium a few times. Don't know if she ever won one, but we're about to find out. Because this, I wish Ironman could do this. So I'm on triathlon.org and yep. you've got the results there. You just click on the name and then you can go through and you can see all their results from all ITU races. Wouldn't it be marvellous if you could do that for Ironman? Yeah. So it'd be, be marvellous, John. It'd yeah. be marvellous. She, uh, she went to the London Olympics, got 40th. So she must have switched over to Ironman straight after the London Olympics. So she has four wins. Wait a second, where did you say she got? 40th at the London Olympics. No, no, Beijing. Oh, this is a trial event. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, she had four wins. Uh, don't know if one was of them was in the mixed relay. Uh, yes, she won in Seoul in the um, series in 2010. And let's see who she beat out on that day. She was, you know, she, as we know, she's an axe on the bike. She beat out Barbara Riveros and Emma Moffat in that race along with Nicholas Spurig and Andrea Hewitt. So that was a quality field to beat to win there. It must uh, be cool to be like her, her athletic journey. You know, you, you're, an, you're an athlete. She's, you know, you do ITU. 
you know, you're doing okay. You won a couple of races, you know, you're seventh at the Olympics, you're, you're a good athlete. You switch over to Ironman, and you're a legend. Machine. How cool would that be? She, um, she actually won the World Under-23 Championships in 2008. I wonder who else came out of that year. Barbara Riveros was fifth that um, year group. Can't see any other people that have really kicked. Flora Duffy was 17th in that year go. group. Uh, and that's about it. Jeez, Flora Duffy almost got last. 17 out of 19 finishes. Jeez. Jeez. If I'm looking at the photos of Reef and it's got one who was sitting behind Snowsaw. Right. Look at that. Yeah. Nice. Snowsaw was a midget, wasn't she? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a midget, but she was small. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, um, the winner of that race was uh, Emma Snowsaw and the winner of the men's race was Jan Fredino. They ended up getting married and they've got kids. Well... They've got a good pedigree. Um, they're like horse race horses. <laughs> so, John, I want you to rank the Olympics for me. The, the men's races and the women's races. Which have been the best? Um, in all time? Yeah. Well, it's hard for us to go past Athens. So I would have to say Athens for the men. Even if I wasn't a Kiwi, I'd probably say Athens, um, followed by Sydney, just because it was... Iconic. Iconic. And then I would go... Uh, unfortunately, then I'm going to go Beijing. Uh, unfortunately. But because then, like the last couple have just been running dominant. races dominant by the Brownleys, so yep. impressive specimens that they are. Not bit that more exciting. predictable, yeah, not exciting and a bit more predictable. And girls race. Uh, let's have a think about that. I'd go Sydney. As much as I don't like it, that someone someone tested positive for drugs. That was a really exciting <laughs> run, and. Uh, and then there was obviously the sprint finish in London but I can't recall exactly how that panned out I know it was a sprint finish and it was a photo on the line but I can't I'm going to have to go back and watch that one yeah but the photo on the line even looked even didn't it yeah totally yeah, no, no, because I thought it's going to be a draw mm. and then they picked the winner and I was like pick it up they look pretty even to me but, yeah. but obviously more detailed analysis okay John that's good so next week are we doing next time we're doing London? We're up to London next time round. Uh, London time, and Rio to go. By the time we finish the series, hopefully we get to Tokyo. Yeah, well. Who knows? Good luck with that, John. You don't have much faith in Tokyo, but you have a lot of faith in Kona next Kona's year. Kona's happening next year one way or the other. I got his two sponsor, John. What Bike, more specifically the What Bike Atom. You guys can check it out, whatbike.com slash US. And so it's w-a-t-t-bike.com slash US. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Watt bike and the, some of the things we really like, um, the look of it. Uh, one is just great for sharing if you've got more than one person riding in your family. Um, we felt that was an awesome point. Uh, saves your bike oh, from getting time. trashed, sweating all over your bike, changing your bike constantly um, uh, is a real pain in the ass. So saving your bike from getting trashed and convenient and compact. I'd love to have this thing in my garage just to be able to put it into the corner Clear a bit of space. Don't put John in the corner. Don't Name the John movie. In the corner. You can put the Name what? the movie. Uh, Don't put baby in the corner. Come on, John, you got this. Do dancing. Yeah. I've had the time <laughs> of my <laughs> life. Um, you know, we, we interview Adam Bowden up next, and he's a pro athlete, and he's a bloody good athlete, and he's he, 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 he loves the Watt bike. But he, he brought a couple of points I didn't think of. Going from aero to um, road bike really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a, it's really convenient, isn't it? Yeah, so they've got a fully adjustable set of aero bars out the front, and I really like the look of how you can actually have your iPad positioned on your aero bars. So they've got these really long, juicy aero bars, um, so it's right in your face, uh, and I, so I really like the look of that. If you want to go check that out, go to our Facebook page, and we've got a little um, video clip so you can kind of see the, the bike in action, but that's one feature that I, I do like the look of, because um, my the, way, the, the setup that I've got at home, I've kind of got a couple of screens in front of me, and it's my eyes I can't see my iPad very well so to have it right up in your face um, I certainly like the look of it and then you can easily hit the keys when you need to do your power-ups or anything like that or if you've got some other functionality you want to be using so I do like the look of that so great for sharing saves your bike from getting trashed convenient and compact um, got all that adjustability uh, and just a great tool, training tool yeah, and, and you're sort of future-proofing yourself as well from from having to buy different trainers when you change your bikes that I'm experiencing at the moment so all in all great package and Bevan's recommended to his mum and so you've got that recommendation that's before they even well. sponsor the show team mm. well, that's showing you something isn't it exactly. that's, that's showing you what I think of this product I'm not I'm just not bloody sure I'm here to promote the product John I will say Jim Whoa, what's he doing? He's got all his... Push, push Just a time saver as well. Yeah. Especially if you've only got one road bike. Hmm. You know, and you know, chopping and changing all the time. So I don't want to. I'm not going to um, shit on your uh, your work environment at Les Mills. Oh, okay. Um, but my wife is, is a Les Mills member. Her membership's just come back online. She had it on hold sort of during all the lockdown yeah. period. Um, but you're about to shit on it. Yep. <laughs> she just finds it easy. Just go right I'm going to the garage and rather than necessarily going to, oh, yeah. to a class yeah. um, well spin class she's got the, she's good, nice and disciplined so she can yeah. rock up and she can go and make it make it happen uh, and now there's the tools with like yeah. Swift and stuff and so she's on Swift and, but the problem she's got she doesn't like now I've changed bikes my, my old TT bike on there is not very comfortable with this fully adjustable she can go in there a couple of seconds couple of twists She's away. So check it out, guys, whatbike.com. Um, and you look we do recommend you go to our link on our website, either in this week's show notes or on the front page of www.imtalk.me. Just go down to where it says our sponsors. Click on the link there because it just they recognize that you came through us and it just kind of helps us help support the show. So go have a look at the what bike. Check it out. It's the what bike atom is what we're looking for. What bike, W-M-A-T-T-Bike.com slash US. Uh, Jombo, here we've got an interview coming up with Adam Belden. Okay, guys, um, today we've got Adam Bowden on the show. Uh, he was a serious kick-ass athlete in his early years in athletics and swimming. Um, switched across to, well, he actually got ninth at the steeplechase at the 2006 Commonwealth Games. Uh, and in 2008, switched over to triathlon. Uh, any, anywhere else in the world, it probably would have been uh, the big dog and uh, dominating the dojo, but he had the, the, the Brownlee brothers to deal with, but still had a fantastic ITU <laughs> career. And then uh, in the last year or two, he's been sort of switching across to long course and when I was looking through some of his results I think there was only one or two where he was not on the podium at 70.3 distance so welcome along to the show um, Adam. Yeah thanks for having me I'm happy to yeah be on the show. <laughs> so what, what have you been uh, what have you been up to today in terms of training people always love to know what the, what the pros have been doing so what's um, today's training entailed? Yeah so I had um, a aerobic uh, swim this morning so 6k just aerobic swimming with a few um like sharpeners so like 10 strokes hard in some of the uh 200s that i was doing um and then came back had some breakfast and that and then had um a bike session so 
working around like FTP and um, my like threshold zone as well. Um, and that was on the Watt bike on Swift. And then, um, yeah, I finished off with some, a little bit of core and then uh, uh, hours run. So like, yeah, about 14.5k run. And then, yeah, chilling out now, hopefully. Fair enough. Is, is 6k swimming fairly stock standard for you? You know, normally swimming that uh, distance? Yeah, anything between like four to six. Um, during like a, obviously when I'm back in the pool regularly, um, yeah, you're looking at anywhere between four to six, but up at the high end for sure. Um, mixed in with obviously some lake swims, some sea swims when um, weather permits that and temperatures. <laughs> Um, so getting back into your swimming, you, you were saying before we, we started recording, you, you you know like a lot of people around the world, you haven't been able to do any swimming for a long time. So what's the, the transition back in the pool been like for you? And have your times been absolutely miserable or not quite as bad as what you <laughs> thought they'd be? Um, I was yeah quite surprised in the sense of um, I always used to feel like going back into my ITU days when I used to get back in the water having time out I was I really struggled with the feel of the water um it didn't really feel the case this time around but I think that's just having a bit more like years of swimming behind me because it's like running when I have some time off running I get back uh, into it because it's my background I'm quite I can get back into it quite easily so yeah I thought oh, I'm going to feel my shoulders and things like this. But actually, I've got back in and I'm still feeling a little bit sluggish in the sense of, yeah, I don't feel like I could uh, hammer out fast 100 or even 50, really. Yeah. So, um, But I just want to throw in some like endurance initially to get my body and muscles used to it before I start um, Yeah, switching up the gears a little bit. I also think it was because during um well when we're allowed out of lockdown and we're able to swim in the sea and stuff like that then i think that was an advantage because if you if you start to get back into swimming off after like i had about five months out because of the lockdown period um i got back in to the sea where you got a bit of buoyancy through the soul and i generally quite like the wavy conditions and all of that and i think getting back into that um even when we were just like visiting with the, the family just you know going down for the day or yeah jump in and I think that definitely helped the transition back into the pool obviously pool swimming is still quite different but um no I think hopefully within two three weeks I should be uh, in some sort of half decent shape um swim wise but yeah you know considering the time I've had out, I was quite surprised, really. I think even keeping on top of, like, um, swim cords, strength conditioning, things like that, I did a lot of core exercises, more than what I would do normally, so just because I had more time, because I wasn't swimming. Hey, so so um, you, you've got, seems like you've been a, an athlete for a very long time, uh, and you've got a pretty good history in, in not just triathlon, but kind of running and stuff as well. So can you give us an overview of your athletic career before you hit triathlon? Yes, yeah, so as you said, I was um, 
ninth in the Commonwealth Games uh, for the Steeple Chase. Um, when I was young, I I enjoyed swimming, um, football, and running. At the time, I didn't really ride a bike much, um, but like swim wise, I made it to a national level. But as a relay squad, so the highest I norm mostly did was um, county level swimmer, and then um, run wise, yeah, I've been to the world cross um as a junior um and yeah represented great britain on the road track and cross country so yeah i've had a still of a athletic career and it was more like i needed to decide to myself whether you know obviously i had swimming biking i mean swimming running um and football and i chose running because I just felt like I was, I wanted that more and, um, yeah, I enjoyed it a bit more and I thought football would be a lot harder to, um, go right to the top football wise. Cause I was a, you know, I was a county level football player as well, but it was one of those, yeah, decisions that I just liked running that fraction more. And, um, I had to give up some other sports cause playing football and running don't really go cause, <laughs> I was trying to skip out of like you know slide tackles and everything. I thought to myself, if I get hit one yeah. with one of these, um, it's not going to be good for my running. So, yeah, just even from the first time I um, got spotted by, well, when I was living originally in Watford in England, um, that's my hometown. Uh, got spotted by um, when I was doing English. Uh, you know like the schools cross country and stuff like that I got spotted by um, Harrow AC um, uh, the coach there Tony Bush and then he took me under his wings and the first time that he ever took to me to uh, take me to a event he said what do you want out of the sport and I said I want to be the best in the world and I want to win medals and he knew that I wanted it from then and yeah sort of worked my way up to the highest level possible and competing at the Europeans and like I say, the world cross country and stuff like that. So were you making much um, of a living at the time? Could you make much living from running? That was the thing. It was my coach was very, very kind to me and he used to like, um, pay for me to go out to South Africa and places like that to train. And because he was like a teacher, a professor of education out in South Africa. And I used to, yeah, he was very kind in the sense that, yeah, he bought tickets, plane tickets and my accommodation, everything and supported me in that sense. Um, financially, not really. Um, and that's what kind of drove me away from it a little bit because, you know, to earn a living and to win medals at Olympics and stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong, I did try for the Olympics and in 2008 I missed the Olympic qualifying time by four seconds mm. but I won the Olympic trials mm. um and the most frustrating thing is um the guy that was second Andrew Lemoncello actually went to um well we both obviously he was second I was first we went to try and get into this race um which was a day before the deadline of um choosing athletes to try and qualify he got in and I didn't <laughs> oh, really? and he actually 
yeah, he ran the qualifying times. So they took him. Um, so, was, yeah, it was a real disappointment. And that was when I decided to, I thought to myself, you know, because I had a good range from like 800 up to 5K. So, you know, even my 5K around the 1350, 1500 was 340, my 800 was 150 and stuff like that. So I had, you know, a good wide selection of opportunity but I just thought to myself um to earn a living and like to win medals at an African dominated event like the steeplechase it would be pretty unrealistic and yeah I had to be realistic to myself I just thought that for me to run you know you have to be running around that 8 805 somewhere around there to really earn a living and win medals when you got the Africans it was just because even up today you know up like the last yeah so many years it's just been African dominated event so so con- contrast it with yeah. triathlon because you know you came across triathlon you had some really good results you know you sort of generally le- look to be you know somewhere between fifth and 20th in in ITU races um so how is it for you? But the problem you had, you weren't the big dog. You had the Brownleys there. If you were a Kiwi <laughs> or or from from another country, you probably would have been yeah. like the number one athlete. So how how contrast yeah. the making a living as as part of the cog and the the, the, the team GB um, compared to say the running days? Oh, definitely. I was supported through um, the federation, no British triathlon and um, UK sport. And I went, when I first was introduced to triathlon, um, a guy called Barry Wells, um, multimillionaire actually sponsored the, the tri gold scheme. And yeah, he did exactly similar to my running coach. He gave me um, free accommodation in Loughborough and supported me throughout, you know, like, getting to events and everything was taken care of so any races that I went to and did well out that was my income and then gradually I went my way through like the then I moved on to the British Triathlon Federation and um, the I was started on the performance program and then worked my way up to the world-class um, podium I was on podium C funding um, which was a top eight and you had to get a top eight in the world champ series and yeah managed that a few times um, and that kind of that was very supportive as well in the sense of all your flights would be paid for to world champ series and then prize money you're looking at a reasonably good amount for a top 10 finish better if you're in yeah around the podiums but mm. Um, I definitely earned a better living in um, triathlon than I ever did in running. Um, like you say, with uh, the Brownie brothers, it was very, I came in probably at the wrong time because mm. um, they were super dominant at that stage. And um, it was all a bit um, strange in the sense of I was never really able to compete for myself mm. because you had two of the best in the world. Um, there were lots of rules that used to come into play and I can understand what they were trying to do. And, you know, as British triathlon federation, they had to keep obviously UK sport happy in the sense of saying like, how are you, 
they obviously was told like how are you going to deliver us medals and they said well we've got Alice and Johnny this is how we're going to give you medals you know and during races like I would be told not to chase like mm. on the bike and stuff like that um which is so frustrating because you, at times you were thinking oh, I could jump across now and things like that but you wouldn't because you're thinking to yourself what if I pulled the wrong people up with it up with mm. me in a race but to some extent I still still put that in back of my head a little bit and I just wanted to do the best I can could for myself but in the end like um when the Olympics came round it was um domestic role that came about and I just wasn't one for that I never put my name forward to that because I wanted to you know beat these guys I didn't want to help them really I know that sounds a bit selfish but I didn't want that I didn't want that role in the sense of you know I was a good runner I knew that if I could get off the bike with these guys I've got a good chance so yeah it was kind of like the only time wasn't in like what later on you know in my career it was more I was allowed to I was a bit freer to do what I wanted to do in the sense because there was lots more athletes coming to play than just the Brownleys but so just used to get on well you know yeah no I was about to say you know everyone wants to know what makes the Brownleys tick and and why they're so good so did you have uh, obviously you were you were at races really regularly with them but did you get uh, much of an opportunity to train with them and and what what's different about them compared to, to others that you may be trained with yeah, when I, I was quite lucky when I first came to triathlon and that tri-gold uh, scheme stuff that, like British triathlon were like, we want you to go out and, you know, train with these, the train with the Brownleys, like Alice and Johnny, and I never wanted to not do that, so I was wanted to gain as much experience as I could as possible, and yeah, literally went on the camp to numerous different places, Lanzarote and stuff like that, and the, the first, like, the first thing I found uh, funny was um, when we went to the supermarket. Uh, now, this is at the start of their career. They're, they've changed massively now, but their diet was absolutely shocking. Like, <laughs> if you just, you're talking about just calories, but calories coming from like biscuits, cakes, the stuff they were putting in the toilet. And I, I grew up quite like, you know, health conscious and all that and knew that I was I had to put the right stuff in my body to perform well and things like that. And uh, that's how obviously my mum and dad brought me up and eat your veg and you, you go well, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was, they were putting all this stuff in. I was like, are we, are we going to actually put any veg in there? And they were like, oh yeah, we can put some like peas in there. And I was like, peas? <laughs> like, Come on guys, like we've got to have a bit more than that. And I used to like, it was quite funny. I started like cooking for them and things like that and I just threw in a lot more healthier stuff and it's quite funny over the years I then saw slight transformations when I next come across mainly Johnny but like yeah I used to see him just yeah the, the transformation was like wow he's actually eating a lot more veg now and things like that so I think yeah you know you can get away with it a lot more when you're younger I suppose yeah. that's what maybe happen but but then yeah the train side of things it was just the the recovery was so fast so 
I could cope with the sessions, like doing sessions with them, but they would, the following day, they would instantly be recovered. It would be like, whereas I'd be sore and need another extra day to really perform, if you know what I mean. So it was just, they were able just to smash and smash and smash like that and just, yeah, it was almost like they never could break. But, but I suppose, you know, starting at such a young age and, you know, fell running and things like that, what they were introduced with, I think that's just massively helped them in their progression through the sport. And don't get me wrong, I think Alice for sure has got something special within him, like with how to push yourself through pain. Like yeah. there must be something there, you know, um, willing to like collapse on the floor or whatever, just to win that Olympic cold or whatever. Not to say that, that's not what I'm trying to do and stuff like that. But I think you can see it in Alistair more than you can with Johnny in races as well. He's a lot more comfortable uh, when he's mm. got his brother there, if you know what I mean. Mm. It seems to be less dominant when they're not together. Mm. So, so, so um, obviously you've made the shift to, to long course the last couple of years. Um you know, has it been an easy transition? And and you know, how how's you know ma- making a living from the sport um, changed? But when we we ask a lot of athletes that come from an ITU background that question. You know, yeah. stepping away from the support of the federation um, to sort of being on your own. So what's what's the transition been like? Yeah, I'd say uh, it's been real tough. Like British triathlon, incredible to me, and they could do no wrong. Like you know, eventually I was taking off funding and that was when I almost thought to myself that I want to make the change that was the year that I decided to um but they still gave me this sort of transition year so they would still help the first year I started the 70.3 there was still this transition and transition phase so I was getting a small little income through them to support me in my transition which was very good um but yeah, over the years where I haven't had that, it's just the things you have to then um, figure out for yourself is huge. Like I was asking loads of different people, but um, it felt like they weren't willing to share as what as much as what I know now. And I'm still one of those athletes who like to share everything I know and make you know the youngsters benefit from that that are coming through, etc. And all that, but felt like there's been a lot of hidden stuff that I'd only find out through racing the guys, you know. So I was always playing a bit of catch-up with... I had to borrow, like, my first big race. I was borrowing a friend's bike because I had no form of sponsorship and things like that. And um, it wasn't until the last last year I managed to get an agent and he's been an absolute godsend and you know, being able to approach sponsors and help me through, yeah, that sort of transition phase without the financial help that I had before. So, yeah. What do, what do you enjoy about this world that you, you know, that you didn't have a fight to your world? Um, I think it's like the freedom and racing for yourself and, you know, I can do what I want now. I can hunt people down. I can, mm-hmm. you know, sit on the bike pack where I want and things like that. Whereas it felt like I was not able to do that and not show my true potential. 
I think the hardest thing has been the bite because that's the biggest change for me in the sense of yes I, I'm doing a half marathon and things like that now but my running background gave me that sort of pedigree to be able to do that whereas the biking like I said my younger days I didn't really ride a bike much so even coming into the sport I thought to myself well I'm an international runner and then you know I've um had a county level swim background then surely I'm gonna do quite well in the sport but it was yeah a massive eye-opener to think like how hard the bike is not only the distance but the aerodynamics that come into play the um the different types of efforts you do compared to like ITU racing so and I think throughout my whole career I've never stopped learning I think even when I do retire whenever that may be when the body says you know enough's enough that it'll still be moments where I'll still look and go I'm learning from that like I just don't think you ever stop because there's always these you know the new stuff that comes out like that makes you a bit more aero but we all know that um most of your drag is your body so I've been working with a specific um cycle coach for the last year and a bit well obviously through lockdown as well um Matt Bottrell I don't know if you've heard yeah, of Matt yeah, Bottrell yeah. Um, yeah so I've been working with him and uh, he's been incredible and the stuff that I've learned and I think my biking's just gone up a whole new level now so I just yeah can't wait to show that is he, is he, um, has he suggested to shave the beard for some extra aerodynamics <laughs> <laughs> no he hasn't mentioned that but a lot of people have said that but um, they're like, oh, surely you go faster. But I go, yeah, but it's more that threatening thing, you know, me having a bit of <laughs> rather than a smooth baby face and all that. <laughs> they're like, yeah, it's just more of that. And yeah, I just kind of like it. Like, <laughs> it would kill me to get rid of it. Um, so but had, no, he's not really mentioned. On that side. You've had um, you know, loads What's of podiums. Um, you've had uh, a win in Dubai. You've been on the podium in Dubai um, last year, plenty of other podiums as well, um, over 70.3 distance. Um, it, what's mm. your sort of plan going forward? Are you, are you thinking you're going to stay at 70.3 and specialise uh, at that distance, or have you got uh, long distance, you know, in terms of Ironman on the on the radar anytime soon? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this year, obviously, until this pandemic happened. Um, I was going to go to the, you know, the South African yeah um championships the full iron man i was actually going to give it a go and um obviously it was very daunting and still in my mind it is a little bit daunting not that i believe that i can cope with the distance i think the one thing that will show up in many athletes is your nutrition so i believe if i can nail that and get everything right there then i would have a good opportunity at the the full distance and I still have that drive to want to do that but at the same time I still want to yeah keep my feet in the um 70.3 races as well um yeah and taking the British record as well you know for the 70.3 distance that was 
incredible to have that. Well, that was when, you know, Christian Blumfeld broke the world record yeah. for the distance. I was in the same race and I managed to break. Yeah, well, I found out afterwards that that was actually the British record as well. So, nice. yeah, it was that so, was a good achievement. And like you say, the podiums I've had. Um, and now that I've had a bit longer with Matt, I just, yeah, eager to show that now. I believe that my biking's come on even more so now since having lockdowns been horrible and obviously has lost a lot of lives and stuff like that so but i think in another way it has positives as well like um not only for the the world as itself you know like as in there must be less pollution going on when lockdown happened over the world and i think they showed these different things that showed how the levels were dropping and um better environment for everyone but yeah like on the sad side of things people did lose their lives but i think yeah just having a period of almost a year of trainings um will be interesting to see obviously barring the swimming which you've not had a lot of <laughs> with you with your biking mm. you know you've um you said you've upped the ante there um and i know you've done a lot on on the watt bike atom um so maybe tell us you know how you've used the watt bike during lockdown you know, whether you've been doing lots of zwift racing or or basically you know how you use the bike and why you like it yeah well it was amazing to have that bike come at the time it did because it was literally about a week before lockdown um nice. managed to get that and oh it's just been an absolute godsend it's just you know the the accuracy of power you get the feedback um i tend to use it a lot um on zwift i i use the app initially but obviously then i wanted that sort of virtual experience as well and um started doing a few like zwift races and that and it was almost like I got a bit addicted to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, the Atom bike's perfect in the sense of you've got the option of, um, because it has the aero bar extensions on it um, that you can put on it that came with it as well as riding it. So you can ride it as a time trial bike as well as a road bike, really which I think point. is really good. Yeah. Um, and it's the Atom's real narrow, which almost looks like, similar to yeah your uh, road and you high-end road bikes and uh, narrow bikes and yeah i just think you know for those type of sessions where you need to hit those specific powers um i think it's good to mix it up with um the virtual stuff and on a um static bike as well as going out and um riding on the road I, I do that kind of stuff as well for running i like to mix up with a bit of treadmill and a bit of outside i think it just gives you a, a good variety of so yeah wh where have you, where have you got yours um set up in the garage and lounge bedroom whereabouts yeah it's um little pain cave conservatory that <laughs> used to be uh the boys playroom i actually um started initially when i first moved in i started overtaking it so like the toys would still be in there but i'd be like swearing my ass off in the uh <laughs> conservatory and eventually the boys had to then <laughs> well they had not much choice it was getting a bit like crowded in there because then we got a treadmill so 
yeah the treadmill was in there and the now the watt bike so it's not you know i haven't got a huge space but i think it's ideal and um in the summer it's like a bit of a heat chamber um yeah. i have to have all the windows open doors but i've got one of those big fans and stuff like that so and i tend to the last sort of um yeah since lockdown i've got like the big tv type screen for the swift which i found really which is linked up to the um what's it called the uh apple you know the apple yep. box um which i found better than having it set up on like an ipad or a laptop i always found that the battery was just being drained whereas just coming through um wi-fi but on a tv you haven't got that it's plugged into electricity so you haven't got that fail of the tv battery running out <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so, um do you, do you like the yeah, feel so, of the what bike you know like in comparison to a normal bike is the feel really great yeah yeah the the smoothness so you know they've got that um pes um pedal efficiency score i think that you can actually feel you know why they put that in because it is so smooth and when i've been on like my turbo because i've got a turbo as well that i've was using beforehand it's just yeah it's just the smoothness of it you don't hear any of that real grinding of um your chain and yeah it's just and you know some turbos are driven by liquid and others are driven by um i suppose it's like brake style pads but i think um the atom's got like a flywheel in it so um yeah it's just it's been incredible and like i say having that option of both aero and road it gives you that yeah um you don't have to on a you know if you had a turbo it'd be like switch your bike over now switch your other bike over (laughs) it's just it's a lot less you can jump on it bang you're ready to go if you know what i mean so um now obviously there's a few races starting to appear obviously we've had uh one or two sort of popping up um so what's your plan Mm. for the season you know in a not in a perfect world and what the world we've got at the moment um what are you hoping to get done this season and then what's your sort of plan for for next year if if things return to normal yeah i think the plan this year was always to i wanted to see a race kind of go ahead of abroad before it gave me you know clear confirmation that things were going to go ahead abroad um but i still feel that travel situations are still in a difficult time and i don't feel 100 percent comfortable with that so i want to stick to staying local as i can and stay in the uk for now um so there is a race coming up um the outlaw x um which is a 70.3 distance i think yeah they're going to run it off a um you know they set one off athlete off and then another so on like that way um which would be i've never actually done that kind of style of racing before um always started you know the swim together and things like that but like a truck yeah it's just going to be a time trial format um but yeah i'm looking forward to being able to race again 
like I say, hopefully I can get my swimming up to some sort of half decent uh, standard, <laughs> um, which I've still got a few weeks before it. So, and then, yeah, next year, I think I still look to go for a, a full Ironman, but um, yeah, I kind of take a little bit of time to put my race program together. So once I've finished the year, which I don't think I'm going to race much more after the Outlaw X. I just can't see many other races being available. Um, there'll be a few, like the one in possibly in Daytona, but that's for the the PTO. You know, you've got the rankings. Um, I think I might just be outside the the rankings to get into that race. So, but yeah, it's just. It's an unpredictable time, really. You can't predict whether a race will really happen. So, mm. but the Outlaw Let X um, has a little bit of advantages, and I think it's on private land, so okay. it's not. Yeah, it's not open to you know the public and things like that. So, which makes it, I suppose, a little bit easier staying within a private area. So, guys, if you want to spot Adam, he's the one with the beard. If you turn up at a race and there's pros there, <laughs> look for the guy with the beard. Um, if people want to follow you um, in terms of your career, what's the, the best way to, for people to follow you? Your Instagram, or your Twitter, Facebook, website? What, how can people follow what you're up to? Yeah, both Instagram and um, Twitter. It's Adam Speedy Try. Um, you can follow me on those two platforms really that's the main ones that i use um i am on facebook as well um but yeah i tend to use those platforms the most so yeah come and uh have a follow have a look <laughs> have a <Awesome>. chat <laughs> awesome thanks adam um we look forward to following your career you've had a kick butt 70.3 career so far so we'll uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you can bang out for an iron man at some stage down the track and look forward to following your career no, I appreciate the time. It's been good chatting to you. Thanks very much. Awesome, mate. Thank you. John, your thoughts? Yeah, he's a quality athlete, and I just you always feel for people like him who, just if he'd been a Kiwi, yeah. he'd be our number one for year after year after year, probably. Um, over there, didn't get shafted, but you just got... It's always that sort of, if you're in the Tiger Woods era, you kind of nobody. If you're in the Lance Armstrong era, we know that turned out a bit Well, like Aaron Smith and Aaron Cruden and Rugby. Yeah. Cruden's a, I'm not Cruden. Um, Dan Carter. No, no, who's the halfback? Um, TJ Perrineau. He's good. He's a good, but mm. Smith's a legend. Yeah. So Loves the y- toilet too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Kiwi joke. That's a Kiwi. That's um, one of Kiwi listeners. And about the quality athlete and really showing his quality now that he's come to 70.3 distance and his results. Like he's, he's hardly been off the podium. Well, he's a bit like Reef, what I was talking about. You know, mm. like, okay, an ITU, although it sounds like he's a bit restricted, mm. but now he's gone to this level. Doing really well. Yeah, so looking forward to seeing what he can do in Ironman because he, he can he can run seriously fast if that bike is, as he said, to come along and he can handle the 180 Ks and if he gets the nutrition right. You know, he's the kind of guy who could easily run a two, under 240. Uh, so exciting times ahead. Joe Skipper, you're going to have to keep your, keep your game up nice and high to keep him off your tails. So Adam also, as you heard, um, really loves his Watt Bike Adam. So Watt Bike Adam for Adam. Nice, not Atom for Adam. Uh, so get on at whatbike.com. Okay, thank you very much to Whatbike. Okay, John, website of the week. week. And this is what this is old school. This this website's been around forever. 
They've done nothing to change it, but it does a good job. Well, if you want to check it out, just go to our show notes. Yeah, because the links like users.on.net slash goes on for Really again. simple. If you want to, it blows me away. How you often ask people, okay, um, what's your plan for the for the run in this race? Uh, you know, what sort of pace are you going to do? Ah, oh, I think I'll uh-huh. go like a one forty-five. Okay, so what sort of pace does you need to do that? Oh, um, I don't know. Is that about five and a half? It's is unbelievable. It um, um, it's, <laughs> we we do this half marathon we put on for our runners last weekend. Really hard, hilly half marathon. And we have a function at night. We had the function at night. One of our runners came up to me. She said, I killed it. She wanted to go into two hours. And she, it's a really hard two hours. You know, do two hours is a pretty decent run. Um, and she goes, oh, I'm just killed. Uh, you know, the training. And I said, oh, what are you different? And she goes, oh, well, you said to me Monday I had to play my race. So this time I actually did. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you know and, and it works. Yeah. So uh, all this website is, it's marathon pace charts. And all you can do, you can click on there and it can give you splits 42.2 Ks, 26.2 miles, 21.1 kilometers or 13.1 miles. The reason I like it, and Bevan said it is old school, which is great. You just click on whatever one you want to do and you either put in your target race pace. So if you do know, I think I can hold four minutes 30 per K what does that actually equate to? Mm. Boom, you can plug it in. Or if you look at your historical data and you go, uh, well, I've done two hours for these recent half marathons or half Ironman runs. I want to try to go 155. Just plug it in. Boom, gives you a split straight away. Very, very simple, but functional and effective. So it is a funny old um, URL. So go to imtalk.me, look on the show notes for this week, uh, and you can find it there. And Copyright, just- t- t- 1999. Ah, so this came out a long time ago yeah check it out you can still even email them at hotmail nice (laughs) who has hotmail these days no that's exactly it's showing its age okay john uh let's go questions and answers and we're curious audience you guys are and good old gerald smith came up with the answer to why do you pee so much after you've been swimming and he's come back with us and answer john um I've got a, I've got I've got a few responses to this, Jared. Uh, so he's from Mr. Smith's Coaching. He's actually uh, in Wellington. He's getting a bunch of our athletes ready for our Epic Camp oh, length of the South Island. I know that. Uh, good old Mountain Snail, I think, is amongst the crew. Um, and as you sometimes hear on Tuesday mornings, I go swimming first thing. Or comes around and comes pees in my toilet. Comes pees in the toilet. Do you I'm, pee at the pool as well? Uh, I usually pee when I get out of the pool. Um, usually I go home, have some breakfast get on my bike, bike up to Bevan's place. Yep. It is winter, it's pretty fresh. Uh, come in here and I'll need to usually have a couple of peas during the, the ride. So um, good old Jared Smith sent over uh, a link, which we'll include in the show notes. He basically says, in cold temperatures, the body constricts blood vessels, which raises blood pressure. In response to that, the kidneys will try to eliminate fluid to reduce the blood pressure. This is known as immersion diuresis. I don't think I've said that quite. No. Uh, sure, the pool isn't freezing, but it's a lot cooler than the human body, so it has the same effect. We have had somebody email us through before. I just hadn't uh, recalled it at the time. So, Jared, thank you for reinforcing that. So, yeah, just when you have those cold temperatures. Now, the swimming pool that I swim at is not that cold. However, I bike up here, so that could be one cause to my regular requirements. When was the last time you had Dr. John? Sorry? When was the last time you had your healthy man check? Maybe you need to... Maybe I need to go get that checked. Yeah. So A, it's cold when I come up from home at the moment, which is one reason why I probably need to pee. The second reason is Bevan often does not 
have this thermostat up here to the 21.5 degrees. Oh, by you time, blame my wife, By the time you? that I get here. <laughs> so I think the environment of the studio yeah, is it's the 19 degree problem, con- isn't it? Contributes yeah. to this problem. Exactly. Yeah. So therein lies the solution. Bevan needs to get it up to 25 when he leaves first thing in the morning. Oh, okay. So then when turn I arrive, it down. Yep. Okay. Uh, we'll, Consider we'll it done, okay. John. Consider it done. It'll be 19 because the wife will turn it down. We, but we, we just need a couple more patrons to pay for the extra, <laughs> the extra um, power bill. Power bill. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Stan. Okay, Jombo. My uh, swim set from, oh, your la- swim set, that's from right. last week. This was a great set this morning or last week. Uh, we did. There was a bit of moaning and groaning, but we got the job done. We started with a 400 warm-up with a little bit of mixed strokes, 100 metres IM. Three times 200, where you're descending one to three, so you're getting progressively quicker. Another 100 metres IM. And then we're doing five 100s, pretty much as hard as you can go, on the two minutes. So when you when oh. we're doing those, we're coming in, I think I was coming in maybe 115, something like that, which nice. was... Uh, which is great. So you're getting plenty of rest. One of the guys said, what's all this rest about? Because just, they're just those guys that want to just come in, smash it, yeah. go moderately hard all the time, have bugger all rest. This was about doing some, some faster work. So we did five 100s on two minutes, so 45 seconds rest or thereabouts. Then did a 1,000 metres steady, so around about Ironman effort, just nice sort of lengthening things out, nice steady pace. Came back, another five 100s, um, high quality on two minutes, 200 warm down. So we did a 1,000 metres of really good work. It was a good, tough session. Nice. I liked it. 3.4k all up. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, John. Uh, let's say a big thank you to our patrons. Oh, just scroll a little bit too quick. Um, Mark Steely Thatcher. We've got Andrew Stormtrooper Gilmore. And David Crazy Fire Hayward. Oh, so, to our sponsor, What Bike, uh, the most realistic and effective smart trainer on earth. You can go to What Bike. What is it? What Bike. Dot com slash US. Yep, or just go to our website because then they see that it came from us. Uh, we want to get your email to you, www.imtalk.me, down the bottom of the page. You can become a patron on the same website. Just go to the patronage section, coaching, coachjohnnewson.com, my podcast, Bevan James Owls Show. You can get it at bevanjamesowls.com and other content, imtalk podcast at gmail.com is where you send it through to. John, your goss. Uh, we're in the countdown to the Sea to Sky Challenge, the Brad Richards Building Sea to Sky Challenge. Oh, cool. Brad Richards jumped on board. If you need any building in the sort of Christchurch area, get in touch with Brad Richards Building. Um, Bevan, so I haven't got much goss since last week because it was only about an hour ago. So uh, hopefully I'm still leading the Tour de France Fantasy League in my little group. I think I was like about... Can I look without you seeing the result? No. What if we go on your Facebook page? Because you, you put the link to it. Maybe. I think you need the password and all that. I, I kind of cocked up the setup a bit. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. First time I've really done one of these fantasy leagues. Uh, loving the Tour de France. Hoping your week's going down well in... I'll be in, I'll be in Queenstown, Queenstown now. Yep. And hopefully you're picking your face. Uh, oh, yeah. We're going to do a high-end meal. High-end meal? You know what I mean? Like we're Go gonna... to Josh Emmett's um, restaurant down there. I can't remember Is it the good? name of it. Yep, it's good. Yep. It'll come to me. Not Madame Wu. Is it something butchery? Uh, the Botswana butchery, oh, I think. Oh, yes. I think that was yep. good. Yep. Yep. I like it. So, so nice. There you go. High end. Oh, I've just heard the roads down south aren't that bad at this stage. <laughs> right. Good. Uh, so no goss really, Bevan. Uh, just getting ready for the race. It's going to be a pretty full-on week if we're still at our alert level two. Do you Bevan? need more volunteers? Uh, I think I've got enough. It's just a matter of coordinating all the volunteers. So what have I got to do? I've got to have... Did I say this last week or not? I don't know. Sorry. I've got to set the transition up. No, you told up. me before the show. Yeah, I've got to set the transition up. So I've, I've got about, in the duathlon option, because this was a delayed race from March, I've got about 180 people, including the teams. Yep. And so I've split that into two. 
and there's two different zones of transition. When you check in, you got to, uh, in the morning, you've only got a strict time you can come in. So there's a 20 minute window, you've got to turn up and you've got to come into transition through a specific entry point. In and, and out the other one? Only allowed into your transit. You've got to come into transition and then you've got to stay there. Ooh. You're not allowed out. You've got to stay there and then there's another um, check in time for the other transition area. And then uh, I've got a third transition area for the juniors and what have you. And then the starting is going to be a rolling start. I don't, I'm not a big fan of rolling starts. Got to be done. Got to be done. Uh, so we're starting 15 athletes at a time with two meter gaps in between each person uh, and then 30 seconds between waves. So I start group one. So that's less than 100 people because that's how many we're allowed to have. And then there's like a 15 or 20 minute gap. And then I can start the next group, which Jeez. is the slower athletes. But I've had to actually seed all these athletes, so I've got to get everybody to submit their start times, so then you don't get somebody from the second group catching somebody from the front group. Oh. And then I've had to do all the same for, I've got a run-only event as well, but they start at a different location, so I can kind of keep all these groups of um, less than 100 people separated. So fingers crossed it all goes okay, um, but it's have some sympathy. If you're going to do one of these socially distanced races, I can assure you, it is a crazy amount of work to actually try to pull it off uh, to make it happen. So be reasonable. So be reasonable. Yeah. Mm. You do need to be reasonable. Be it's a funny time. I think overall as well. You know, it's Most a tough people. time. Mm. Um, what, are your, what are your plans? So Bevan's going to Tekapo. I might go skiing. You might go skiing. Not much snow. It might be after today. No, apparently there's a cold front going through down south, so we mm. might get a day skiing. So Tekapo is like about... I won't ski in Tekapo. We'll ski two, in Queensland. Yeah, two and a half hours. Many moons ago, Bevan and I... Biked from Christchurch to, to Queenstown. Oh, about, about 450, 470 k's. Day one was at least 250 to Tekapo. Yeah. And that was that was okay. That went that went pretty well. Yeah, we, stayed in the, we stayed in the old, uh, the hut. The hut. Uh, in the, the cabins. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the same story about that on, on, the, on the show. Um, what did I do? Was it no, no, it wasn't you? you. It wasn't you. It was a blender. And then the next, the next day... We pulled out, and you got a little bit of a climb coming out of Tekapo, yeah. and we pulled out, and we just turned up the hill and straight into this rain and headwind. Yeah, it was misery. And then we were riding along. I think it was on the second day. It might have actually been on the first day. Belinda, no, it was the first day. Belinda and the kids were, no, we didn't have kids. No, you didn't have It was kids. just Belinda coming past, and we were both a bit blown up, I think, and she just drove straight <laughs> past us. It's like, we need some food. And she did pull over a couple of k's out the road, but I like, oh, no. And riding in New Zealand, there, you, once you leave a little village, there ain't anything for... I was thinking about that yesterday, actually, because when I was right into it, I one time with my partner, I think it was when I was with Raylene still, or, yeah, with, with Raylene, and so we were going to Hamden for the day, and I had to do some training, so I said to her, what I'll do is, I, I didn't have to bike all the way home, but it, you know when you got the turn off back onto the main road? Mm-hmm. So how far is that? Probably about 60k, 70k? Yep. So I said to her, well, I'll leave at four. I'll probably be on the road for a couple of hours. So if you can aim to be at me by six, mm. no, I must have said I'll leave at five. You can aim to be at me at six, you know, seven. That'll work out well. I take off. I didn't realize how cold it was going to get. <laughs> so I'm literally, I think I'm wearing like a singlet and it's pretty cold down. It must have been close to like maybe spring, but kind of a cold spring day. And I am so cold. And oh, I'm, I'm just getting so angry at her that she hasn't figured out that I'll be cold. Yeah. And she finally gets me in. And I, I pack a standard, so unfairly, because that was she to know. And I just remember I was so upset with her because she didn't understand I would be freezing my ass off. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the other thing that happened on that ride, the second half of it, we're getting closer to Queenstown. Probably about 20k out, I know. And Bevan had got about five punches, <laughs> and I just I lost my nerve to. It's like, oh, come on, man. You can't have that many punches. <laughs> we ran out of puncher equipment. That was we a problem. Did. And I just said, oh, I'm going to push on. And my, my in laws were actually down there. It must have been about this time of the year because they're down there next week. Okay. Uh, and they've got a time, so time share okay, they okay. go to. And so I ditched Bevan, and they. Where did came we stay? Out. Uh, we just stayed in with my in-laws. I'm not sure if you stayed with us or not. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I stayed with somebody else. And I don't know how you got home either. So we went. We just biked one way. Uh, I do love that time in our life because John would literally, you always love the challenge, John would just ring me one day and say, do you want to do this? Okay, okay. <laughs> and then we just, right. you know, just go do crazy shit. 450 k's in two days and it was, it's not a flat route either. No, it, was, it, was uh, it was good times. Wait, 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 but was it, I, I, I didn't, there wasn't that many moments I struggled. No, we, but we were pretty fit back then. Yeah, we, yeah. We, you know, we, we weren't smashing it. So yeah. good times. Oh no, we smashed it. But what are you going to do down there? You, so you're going to Tikapo, which is about 250 k's away. Yep. And you push on to Queenstown, which is like the tourist mecca of New yep. Zealand. So It'd be amazing. There'll be nobody there. We're going to do a couple of days of big walks because mm-hmm. it's got some beautiful walks. Skiing. We are going to do some tourism things. Nice. But we'll just see what's kind of cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but you know, try to support a little bit, but also because normally we do a mid-year holiday, and we do spend. You know, you go overseas, you're going to spend some money. Mm. Um, so we've got a bit of a budget for a holiday. So we thought, let's not just, because normally if we do a New Zealand holiday, we do it on the cheap. Mm. Um, so we'll probably do a couple of tourism things. So there'll be some good stories when I come back, John. Nice. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. Car.